Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. <laughs> I seem to have upset your dog there with my incredibly good argument. So I'm going to take this as a victory. Apparently, she, she's barking at a corner right now. Give me one moment here. She's going, here, here. Here, here. <laughs> Cookie agrees with Yahtzee. One moment here. I honestly don't know what she was barking at. She was, like, looking at the corner of my office. There might be a ghost in here. Well, I know who can help you out with that. <gasps> Luigi! <laughs> with his poltergust vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. Mario ain't gone ghost hunting. No, Mario just... Mario is so powerful, all he needs to do is look at the ghosts, and they freeze in terror. So, I think... <laughs> It would be fair to say that generally I do prefer Luigi as a character to Mario. Yes, and I, I would generally agree with you because, in that. In, go ahead. And the reason for that is because Luigi is a character. I mean, it's he's not a terribly consistent one. When we talk about Luigi, we, we should probably talk about which Luigi we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, Mario, in his consistency, is just... It's it's just a brand. He's not a character. He's a brand. Yes, Mario is a husk of a of a man. He's like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> they don't really imply to have their own canonical life anymore. They are a face, right? Where it's like if you look at other like kind of mascots or characters, you know, like your Bugs Bunny. You could describe Bugs Bunny's character to someone. Yeah, you know, he, he's he's wily. He's clever. He's a prankster. There, there are adjectives that you can use. Try to do that with Mario or Mickey Mouse, and you will you will come up empty-handed. Mario goes and rescues a princess whenever she needs it. She's like a room. He's like a Roomba for princesses. <laughs> yes, Mar- Mario is absolutely nothing, and that's you know that's okay. Like he was created in a time when characters weren't really the focus of games. Because the thing is, I don't think anyone... You know how there's these internet weirdos who believe they're in, like, relationships with Sephiroth and Final Fantasy VII? Okay. And there's this one crazy lady that sometimes gets brought up who claims to have been married to them in the spirit world and uh, bases their entire life around this concept. Oh. I don't think anyone could possibly do that with Mario. Uh... I'm trying. Uh, first, I'm first. I'm just trying to wrap my head around the first part of that statement, which is somewhat. This is a real thing. Sorry, that was a bit of a heavy thing to throw at you. <laughs> Perhaps not everyone has been around the dark corners of the internet as much as me. Apparently, I haven't been. But uh, okay, so what you're saying is there are people who, in their head, are in a relationship with a fictional character. Yeah, and there are people who, in their head, believe themselves to be reincarnations of fictional characters. Okay. On the basis of the many worlds theory of quantum mechanics, that from which they take the conclusion that there must have been at least one version of the universe in which the events of their favorite video game took place for real, uh, and perhaps they're a reincarnation of the character from that universe. Okay, okay, I like that. I like that. 
The point is, there are people who make weird attachments to characters like this, and even on a, le- on a less insane scale, there are plenty of games where one chooses one's waifu or one's husbandu. And my point is, no one would ever in a million years consider Mario their husbandu. I agree, I agree, because, because he has no. Ne- I, I cannot think of a point in any game in which Mario has literally shown any emotion. I could imagine someone nominating Luigi as their husband do. Oh, sure. But, a, but again, I'd ask them to specify which Luigi, because let's go through them. Okay. Basic Luigi is basically Mario with a palette swap. Original Mario Brothers Luigi, player two Luigi. Correct. In Mario 2, as it was called in Japan, mm-hmm. and which was later released in the West as Mario the Lost Levels, mm-hmm. they, that's where they introduced Luigi jumping a little bit higher, and but having worse traction on the floor. Oh. I thought, that was, I thought that was unique to the Doki Doki Panic reskin. No, I'm pretty sure that was the original Mario 2. Oh, okay. I, I, that's a nice bit of trivia. But it was, as you say, also the case in the in what the west know of as mario 2 the doki doki panic in which luigi is clearly depicted as taller and can jump a lot higher mm. i'm not sure they have the traction issues in mario 2. i think he does yeah i think he does so that's like as i say palette swap luigi luigi starts getting a personality in stuff like your mario rpgs mm-hmm. it tends to uh, be a certain variance there in uh, Paper Mario, for example, Luigi's usually depicted as this sort of, uh, in contrast to Mario, the sort of person who goes on adventures but can't stop talking about it. <laughs> Luigi is he depicted as like a like a like a bragger? Is what you're saying? Sort of. He's a little bit oblivious. He's he's good-hearted but slightly oblivious. Okay. And he tends to talk a lot. <laughs> that he's got a significantly different personality in the luigi's mansion games where he's sort of this this cringing coward constantly trying to live up to some imagined ideal embodied by his brother yes and which uh, he gets by using tools and has very little actual physical ability he literally cannot jump in the luigi's mansion games mm-hmm. in most of them not to the degree in other games you know he can jump the way a normal person of normal proportions would Right, and I think like that's where that's usually the Luigi that we refer to when we say Luigi has more of a character. Yeah, but there's, there's also an, yet another Luigi depicted in the Mario and Luigi RPGs. Okay, where he's also a coward, but he goes along with an adventure, and uh, he's also and he's got jumping ability, and uh, generally he's got capabilities, but he requires being around his brother to bring them out of him. If that makes sense. Mm. he's a sort of a, a hanger on he's uh got more self-doubt and everyone underestimates him mm-hmm. but he's uh, able to demonstrate heroism and ability i you know i never got the vibe of a uh, of hanger oning in those games in the specifically in the mario and luigi titles which i have played i believe all of them uh, you know, like he he always like seems to be more cautious than Mario, but he always goes along. Yeah, I think it's possible he's weak willed. That that's possible, but you know he's he's always like he always goes along with everything, and he always wants to help as much as he can. That's that's the vibe I always got from him. But he's just un he's uh, he he doesn't have that confidence that Mario has. 
No, he's a little uh, clumsier, the butt of the jokes. Yes. It's like how when uh, an English heir to the throne was a child and at school, mm. and the occasion came around that they had to be disciplined or beaten as for doing something wrong, uh-huh. as was the case in harsh English posh schools, mm-hmm. obviously you couldn't lay your hand upon the heir to the throne. So they'd have what was known as a whipping boy who was usually a close friend of the prince, whose job was to take the prince's whippings for them. The idea being that the prince would hopefully be incentivized to not do bad things if it meant saving their friend from a whipping. That's horrible. It is, isn't it? But that's kind of what <laughs> makes me th- what I think of when I think of Luigi in the Mario and Luigi games. <laughs> Mario goes about his gung-ho way and Luigi takes the whippings. <laughs> uh, you know i think that's a good way to look at it i also think a good way to look at it is is mario as a bit of the clueless hero who is gonna jump in head first no matter what and doesn't quite realize that it takes other people a little more work to do the same work that he does it's pretty standard heroic trope that isn't it yeah the, the hero who's not particularly smart but uh always throws themselves headlong into the problem because they've just got so powerful a conscience. Exactly. And, so, and, you know, Luigi's like, wait a minute, I need to tie my shoes. And Mario says, fuck that. We don't need shoes here. <laughs> I want to say that's fairly common in, like, your your kids' Japanese, Japanese animes. Mm. I mean, the main characters in those, they're usually not the smartest or the strongest, but they're, mm. they're always the ones with the heart. I'm thinking of Ashvin in the Pokemon series and Sailor Moon. Sure, sure. Not necessarily the most powerful, but they always throw themselves at the problem because it's what's right. You know what you know what they got? They have will. It's it's this is classic Spider-Man for any comic fan. Not the strongest hero, but the one who will keep getting up. Yeah. Well that's Rocky, isn't it? <laughs> that's and that's Rocky too, dang it. It's a it's a standard heroic model, I suppose. T V Tropes probably has a page on it. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that. What would you call that? The stick to itedness hero. <laughs> uh, the what, there's got to be a name for it. The the hero with the heart of gold, but you know that's just a hero. Yeah. The uh, the, the hero who occasionally beats the villains just by the villains starting to feel sorry for them. The never back down trope the uh uh eh, eh. are you reading tv tropes because i don't recommend it i no, uh, I, I never recommend going into tv tropes no i just did google i googled the never back down trope to see if there was another name for it right but uh i don't see one just in the google results so i'm definitely not going to click on tv tropes seems to be a quality it's like what we were going talking about a while back when we were talking about stealth versus action mm-hmm the sometimes the hero we most admire is not so much the strong one or the incredibly smart one or the person who's had who's got skills but the person who's got the right attitude <laughs> well and all of this is moot because mario has no attitude towards any of his heroes we're we're filling in the blanks and mario is all blank 
That's well, all you can do, really, isn't it? <laughs> and so it's like we, in our heads, we're making up that Mario is just flinging himself into the action. But really, he 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 never emotes. He never tells us what's on his mind. He well, never has any input on the matter. I would argue with the point that he never emotes. I think he's quite an expressive character. I'm just trying to put my go over what I remember of Mario cutscenes and try to pick on incidents in which he displays any emotion besides being quite determined to save the princess or I think or I think going, you're gonna... or going woohoo because he jumped up <laughs> i think you're gonna remember maybe some shocked faces like he is surprised at what he just saw but like think of any time he makes a like determined face i don't know like well he makes a determined face when he sees bowser most of the time <laughs> it's like i'm gonna be determined to stop you angry eyes right uh all right um yeah i'm trying to think of something that indicates action rather than reaction mm-hmm. for some reason i'm thinking of the ending of super mario galaxy where he greets the new galaxy oh sure i suppose there is a bit of awe there yes he is in awe he's in awe and kind of thrilled about the birth of a new galaxy which i suppose is fair enough if anything's gonna shake some emotion out of you it'd be that i would hope mm-hmm Oh, blimey, I've just had some kind of existential encounter that might answer several questions about the cosmos that I'm obviously not going to ask because I have the brain of a plate of dripping. (laughs) Like, he seems... Now I'm trying to think of, like, Mario Odyssey, which is the the most recent, you know, standalone Mario game. Oh, um, if you stand him next to the band when they're doing the big musical number in the city level... He will dance along with them. (laughs) Yes. That doesn't necessarily give him character. Um, Well, it shows he's capable of having a good time, even when he is very determined about rescuing the princess. Well, I think more so that that determines that he was he was uh, trying to show off for Pauline again. Possibly. I guess that ties in with our theory that every Mario game is just a sort of theatrical parade around the world demonstration mm-hmm. as sort of tribute to a uh, prior conquest how does pauline fit into that into that theory I, I guess you know pauline struck me as mario odyssey as the character who was able to move on from that monkey business oh well i, well, I guess that's what i'm asking how does donkey kong because i, I i'm a, a big fan of your your mario world theory that every game is a reenactment of the first game and you know they're all friends now and that's why they can go-kart together and well and i think i think pauline's purpose at that point is just that the, she's the mayor of the city and she is one of many mayors vying with all the other mayors to be included on the on the tour oh oh no no i i mean pauline and donkey kong in the original donkey kong did that really happen um if we're if we're going to come up with a, a a universal Mario theory here, like uh, we, which also works by the way for like Doctor Mario because like he's not a real doctor but but he's a celebrity, so he was endorsing a line of narcotics, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, and he'd be like a celebrity ref in a boxing match. He's the Mario. He's the Mario world equivalent of Gwyneth Paltrow. Ex- yes, Mario Goop. Yeah. Um. Am I right in saying this? Because I remember hearing this, but I forget where it was established. But I think 
Donkey Kong was supposed to be Mario's escaped pet monkey. Oh. I don't know where I read that, but uh, I remember th- I remember hearing there was like some connection of responsibility between Donkey Kong's rampage and Mario's actions. Okay. Uh, let's see here. In the game, Donkey Kong was the pet gorilla of Mario, but he escapes <laughs> and angrily carries Mario's girlfriend, Lady, to the top of a high construction site. So in many ways, this was uh, a reaping of the seeds he himself had sown. So so Mario is just a normal dude. He's just a normal dude. He's got a pet gorilla. Pauline gets scooped up by the pet gorilla. Afterwards, she's out. I'm sorry, normal dudes don't have pet gorillas. Well. <laughs> I mean, this is making Mario sound like he's some kind of Russian oligarch. He's got this uh, weird menagerie in his house that he's not responsible with and doesn't know how to care for. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. Um... Let's see. Well, I get what I'm what I'm saying is is that makes sense canonically, right? Like Mario's hanging out with Pauline, his pet gorilla gets away, and after he rescues Pauline, she says, "I cannot deal with your mania." You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I I cannot deal with this gorilla shit. Right, like you you are on your own path, and I feel like it's dangerous for anyone who's in a relationship with you. And I hate how we keep getting into shootouts with the Russian mafia when we go out. <laughs> And so, and so she left to do her own thing. Yeah, and then and, and, and then, then Mario Mario sank into a sort of a slump after that. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "If only I could prove to the to my ex woman that I was a responsible man." And that's when the opportunity arises. That's when Bowser attacked the Mushroom Kingdom, and yes, and kidnapped the princess and held her hostage until his demands were met. Perfect. I think that's perfect. And so while the, while the Mushroom Kingdom government were all negotiating and debating, Mario became the hero of the people who said, I'm going to march over there and rescue that princess. And the government were powerless to stop him. In many ways, actions that could have had massive diplomatic fallout. It's only sheer good luck that things turned out well. Man, absolutely! what an asshole Mario is. If, fucking, if you think about it. Fucking monkey-owning, glory-hound, Russian oligarch drug dealer. Right. No, and then, and then he, you know, he gets he gets his monkey back, rescues his girlfriend, and then like the monkey's kid is like, "Wait a minute, stop putting my dad, who is a sentient being, in in cages." Questionably sentient. I mean, he wears a tie. He wears a he wears a bow tie. Yeah, that's sentient. <laughs> yes, well, maybe yes. maybe Mario just put a tie on him, sort of thing a Russian oligarch would do. <laughs> you you are a human now. You are my human monkey. Yes, you, must, you must dance for the amusement of my guests. <laughs> oh, is that your kid? Fuck him. <laughs> we don't like him. Well, I, I suppose <laughs> since he's Italian, we should probably hmm. be saying he's Italian mafia. But I don't know. Owning a gorilla just feels more like Russian oligarch territory to me. The, or something like in modern day, it, would, it, it feels like something that you'd have to like live in Dubai to get away with. Yeah. You know, you'd have to live in one of those crazy rich countries. Yeah, either Russian oligarchs or nouveau riche oil shakes. Exactly. Well, those are the. You need someone who's rich and completely tasteless. <laughs> exactly. So what does? So, does, so I'm just wondering where Luigi fits into this elaborate scenario we've concocted. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, let's see here. So, you know, so obviously, like they're brothers, they started as humble plumbers. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm betting Luigi probably wasn't 
was probably was was trying to be a voice of reason around the time Mario was looking into buying a gorilla. Okay, so they made their fame like the original Super Mario Brothers game. You're just fighting off uh, spiked turtle people in the sewers, right? Right. So these two boys had a plumbing business and found themselves inadvertently at ground zero of a major territorial war against an unknown alien threat. And and that got them a small amount of fame and money for solving the the massive turtle infestation situation. Yeah, they were like Lenin and Trotsky at that point. And Luigi, being the more sensible of the brothers, says, hey, let's use this to our advantage. We can really bump up our plumbing business. We can buy some nice gear, like pay for some advertisements, pay off some of our plumbing student loan debts. Yeah, he probably like uh, bought them both really high jump boots. Yes. Because so- that was probably useful for plumbing on very high things. <laughs> and because Luigi was the more responsible brother, he maintained his very high jumpy boots better. Ooh. And that's why he can jump higher. Although he polishes them up a little bit too often, and that's why he has poor attraction. I like it. I like it. And so, yeah, basically, like, but like Mario, he was on that fame high. You know, he, yeah. he needed more. He needed more. So he bought like a monkey. Yeah, he was he was making the TV appearances during reality television. He had his own equivalent to Tiger King, brought a lot of money in through sponsorship deals, <laughs> started wasting it, bought himself a monkey. Exactly. And so like, you know, he's he's getting out there. But then, you know, monkey thing happened. But that worked out in his favor because, you know, he re- he captured the monkey, rescued Pauline and got even more famous. So now Mario, like we can look at Mario as like an addict. He's chasing yeah. that like fame high. And Luigi, who was talking against the monkey all the way, and when the, I must have had a sense of told you so the moment the monkey kidnapped the girlfriend, now feels a little like he's lacking closure since Mario ultimately came out on top from mm-hmm. his bad decisions. Yeah. Feeling like he's feeling like he's probably feeling like most Democratic voters in America, where they're just waiting for this asshole to get some comeuppance, and it's just not happening. It's all we want. We should maybe just get a little bit sick. Someone close to him. That's all we're looking for. Uh, then, then, like basically, then though, like Luigi sees like the benefits of Mario's uh, addiction. Right. Yeah, because yeah. Mario's fame keeps bringing in good business for Luigi. Yeah. And uh, that's why Luigi would start tagging along with Mario on his more elaborate adventures as player two. Exactly. And so it's like he never was super into Mario's world because Mario at this point is no longer a plumber. He's just a professional rescuer, famous person, right? Yeah. People look at him in the street. They go, hey, you're that princess rescuing guy. And he plays up to it. And Luigi's always faintly embarrassed for him. Right, but I think at this point, Luigi is still sticking with his main plumbing hustle. Right. Now, I say hustle, like that's just his job, you know. He's yeah, yeah. he's he's being a, a plumber, which is why he's not in as many titles. Yeah, he's minding his own business, just uh, maintaining the family fortune. Right until Mario's shenanigans start to overshadow luigi's good work you know like you can't have like the mario brothers plumbing industry and they're like hey where's mario where's mario so eventually luigi how everyone else who works at the escapist feels hey hey, zing where's yahtzee is yahtzee streaming today stop saying that you asshole viewers 
Everyone at Scapist does good work. It's true. We're just trying. We're li- All we're doing is filling in space until the next time you see Yahtzee. <laughs> so eventually, Luigi can can no longer maintain a normal life because of his brother's fame. Yeah, because he's he ends up being pretty famous in his own right, although in the Mario and Luigi games, a lot of people seem to forget his name pretty easily. <laughs> well, but that's why I think Luigi starts showing up for like Mario Kart, Mario Golf, Mario Party. Like Luigi starts to almost reluctantly like, fine, yes. I'll be part of your world of fame and fortune. But in his heart, he's conflicted. He lacks self-respect. Yes. He doesn't, he doesn't feel he's earned any of the acclaim he gets in his heart of hearts. Yeah, he's, he's got one foot out. And that's why he still harbors anxiety when it comes to clearing ghosts out of haunted houses. Well, you know, it's it's a it's a thing we talk about a lot where like there is there is a bit of, you know, when when you do anything, there is a bit of natural talent and then there is a whole lot of practice that goes along with it. Right. And Luigi does have some natural talents, maybe not as much as Mario, but lacks the practice that his big brother has. Maybe it's just a matter of confidence. Perhaps he just needs a little bit more confidence in his actions. Well, the, I think that's what practice what practice gives you is that confidence. And yet he still can't quite achieve the level that his brother does. <laughs> it's a tragic story, really. It it really is. It's it's a lovely tragic story. <laughs> it's like something written by the bloke who wrote War and Peace, whose name I forgot. Mm. Tolstoy. Yeah, it's a Tolstoy story. It is. It's it's a bit of a tragedy, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, Luigi's still doing fine. He's he's, you know, go-karting and partying and playing tennis with, you know, a girl he's kind of into. And one of these days he's he's really going to make the move. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's this occasional vibe that, you know, since Daisy is the equivalent of Princess Peach, she must logically be luigi's love interest but that's never really been played up that much it hasn't been really like really that's a really sad life for daisy it's pretty sad life for luigi because daisy's only been kidnapped like once and mario (laughs) saved her oh sure but it's like like daisy is nothing uh, is nothing but like a eh you go with that one i guess (laughs) (laughs) yeah the double date the double date i brought a friend so your brother (laughs) wouldn't be lonely (laughs) <laughs> yeah luigi and daisy are, are, are a bit of a sad couple and you can tell daisy's modeled herself on peach to a certain extent mm. mm-hmm. i think daisy would have been i think i said this in a review once daisy would go along with the driving of unpopular girls to suicide but unlike peach she would probably cry about it later <laughs> all right what um I just this, I just extrapolate, man. I thought I thought that's what we were doing. That that literally that's what this entire podcast has been, and I like it. <laughs> um, if, if if we think we've mined all of our fictional universe, we can talk about Mario as a mascot in general. Oh well, hang on. I just remembered that uh, Luigi rescues a princess in uh, Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. Oh, and it's not Princess Daisy. It's a completely different princess. Uh, who does he rescue in that? What prince is it? But or is it like a weird like star princess where she's not a human? 
It's a weird running gag in that game. Every time you finish a chapter, you run into Luigi in like the town, in like the hub town of the game. Mm-hmm. And Luigi like tells you the story of, of his adventure that he's on. He's on like a parallel adventure to yours. And he's he's like just finished his own chapter and he's usually accompanied by a teammate he's acquired in contrast to the teammate you've acquired in that game. And he just tells you the story of what he did and it's usually like some kind of pathetic thing where he where he get like blunders his way into success or gets humiliated by having to appear in a theatrical production as grass. <laughs> and then that's you, the new paper mario we need and then it's you get kind of invested in it and but then at the end of the game when you finish the last chapter you run into luigi one more time and it tells you the last chapter of his adventure and it just ends with um yeah i rescued her and then i went home <laughs> and it's just a complete anti-climax and that's like the payoff of the whole gag oh i love it i love it but i was wondering you've got to wonder what princess daisy would have thought if she'd heard about that maybe that would help that would help uh spark up the relationship a little bit if because i bet daisy just thinks that luigi is yeah like he yeah luigi's like the fallback he's always there but if luigi actually had someone else daisy would probably you know hike up them them soccer shorts and be like hey buddy over here uh yeah get under these soccer shorts <laughs> You know, Luigi might suck in his gut a little bit. Daisy would hike up her shorts. Well, let's move move on. (laughs) So anyways, Mario as a mascot. Yes. This is something I was, uh, first of all, just uh, applauds on us creating a wonderful fictional universe, uh, a unified fictional universe for the Mario canon. Yes. I should probably write a book about it. Absolutely. And then get get sued to oblivion. Yay, lawsuits. My my thought about Mario. Seriously though, seriously though, sorry to yeah. keep getting in the way of the next point, but <laughs> it's that might be a fun idea just to like write a book where it's obviously about the secret canon of the Mario Brothers, but you just change the name so you don't get sued. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because like you could write a book where where a plumber jumps on mushroom people. Yeah, I mean. Um, that might skate a bit close for some lawyers. You think? Well, it's so hard to tell, isn't it? I mean, a lot of big corporations, they'll just say, hey, we'll sue you, and then you just have to back down because you can't afford to get it to go to court, even if you haven't technically done anything wrong. Sure. Well, uh, well, instead of mushroom people, you can call them like like tax scores on, on the planet, planet Mushulan. Right. So... Yeah, because the thing like sort of spring on the uh, reader at the end. Like you have just have a story about this mustachioed guy who is mainly engaged with waste maintenance on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. And he somehow goes down to the planet and has to uh, defeat the mushroomoids. And then at uh, the end of the story, he's like summarize, like telling his adventures to someone. They're saying, and they say, "Wait, so are you saying that you, a plumber?" went and rescued a princess from a load of evil mushrooms. (laughs) And then you'd have to look back over the whole book and look for all the signs. (laughs) That would be be a a lovely little hidden gem, yes. And you know what? Don't even make it a full book. Just make it it a couple chapters and put it up for free online because then you can't get sued if you're not making any money off of it. True. But then you're just writing fan fiction, aren't you? Well, it isn't everything. Isn't everything fan fiction? Well, suppose seems to be making the money these days, right? You know what? Make your fan fiction, change the names, and then you got uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, right? 
I had an idea a while back for, for a unified theory for all video game stories. All right. You can just try to bring as many video game plots into one shared universe as possible, like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or the Walt Newton family. Mm-hmm. And it's centered around the central concept, the one thing that's common to all video games that's not common to the real world, and that's the ability to heal damage very quickly with no lingering effects. Okay. So I could come to this idea that there's this like wonder material in this world that uh, has this effect, and that it's imbued into all the food. That's why eating food heals you up. Ooh. And uh, there's this like extra concentrated version that makes you undergo weird physical mutations and some of it can turn into a zombie virus. Sure, sure. And then like the events of Resident Evil can happen in parallel to the events of Assassin's Creed. And everything that's every video game that's set in New York is no is actually set in Liberty City. Ooh. But anyway. Okay, no, these are fine these are absolutely fine and acceptable side tangents. If you say so. Okay. So, my point was about Mario being the mascot for Nintendo. Yes. And my thought earlier today, I tried to form this into some uh, some sort of uh, debate point, but it never quite coalesced, which is Mario was a very natural mascot. He was a, he was a game before he was the mascot of Nintendo. Yeah. As I'm sure we've said before, his design was based on trying to create visual character with as low pixel resolution as possible absolutely and and so you know but like the game became popular first and then mario's mascot status happened and i was thinking about that in relationship to other forced mascots where they're like Hmm. you know sonic or the millions of things that playstation tried where they're like this is our mascot he's popular now and why they never reached that same mario level I suppose Mario immediately worked as a mascot because, A, they had a simple design that could be imprinted in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. The way Fall Guys works these days. A simple design character, you could imprint whatever costume onto them you want, and it's still a Fall Guy. Mm-hmm. But there were also suggestions about him that made him a very relatable character as well. He was a blue-collar worker <laughs> in dungarees and a hat. That's right. And everyone's like, hey, my dad goes to work in that sort of outfit. And he's got that kind of moustache. Anyone can relate to Mario. Absolutely. Sometimes he's, sometimes he's a blue-collar worker. Sometimes he puts on a top hat and uh, attends weddings. <laughs> yeah. Because what you want in a mascot, like with the Fall Guys thing, is that you have to be able to like imprint things onto it like uh, uh, different costumes they can be dr mario they can be plumber mario they can be anything mario but while doing that they still maintain the essential image that makes them your brand sure sure and i think a lot of this is the mustache it's like the mustache nose combo yeah i mean there's a reason why when you possess creatures in mario odyssey they acquire mario's mustache Mm -hmm. and his hat i suppose (laughs) but if you just if, I guess just the hat as well, but if you just if you just showed someone the hat, people go, "Oh, it's Mario." Yes. If you showed if you just show them the mustache and the nose, they go, "Oh, that's Mario's mustache." If you took both of those things off of Mario, he's just generic character. That's true. In fact, I happen to think that without the mustache and the hat, he looks a lot like Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> yes, I'm sure to a disturbing agree, uh, degree. Uh, ew, fan art's coming. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, no, and I, th- I think like like what you said, like just a couple very striking pieces that that are used uh, effectively can create a very engaging mascot. But but more so, like beyond his mascot status, is is his initial game being so good? You know, or at least what most of us played as the initial game, Super Mario Brothers One. Yeah, and the fact that it was like bundled with every Nintendo didn't hurt. Well, right. And so you you got to play this game and it just it just cemented him right in your brain because the game is so good. You're looking at that box art. What a what an interesting mascot Mario is a a small, chubby Italian man is your mascot. That's so that's unusual. Well, we play the cards we're dealt. Probably wouldn't have ended up the mascot if the game hadn't been good, <laughs> and if it hadn't been like the hadn't had the captive audience right. of the Nintendo buyers who couldn't afford to buy any second games. What was the, what was the next big hit for the Ninte- for Nintendo? Zelda, I want to say. Duck Hunt. <laughs> Duck Hunt isn't remembered like the other big properties. Sure. So, was- like if. I mean, if you think of, like, the big Nintendo properties, that's where you start. Mario, Zelda. Right. So if Mario never took off, then you'd have a tiny elf boy as your mascot. Probably. But uh, Hmm. Link is less malleable as a mascot. As I say, Mario, uh, you can imprint a lot of things onto him. Mm Mm-hmm. You can put him in a doctor's outfit. You couldn't do Dr. Link. That wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> I guess the fact that they're a contemporary character rather than in a generic medieval fantasy world helps. Ooh. So, like, I think that's that's a that's an interesting alt- alternative world. If Mario never... If the Mario game sucked... Yeah. And, you know, like, Link was the default mascot, they might end up in a PlayStation world where they just never had an official mascot and it was just nintendo that would be a a strange new world yeah i mean it's easy to say now that we can't envision link working as a mascot because just because we don't live in the world where they ever were in the fortunate position of becoming one well well you know mario had those exaggerated cartoon elements like you said the mustache the hat the nose right you couldn't you couldn't probably couldn't imagine link doing the being a silly character the way mario is sometimes right exactly mario is like a cartoon character he like falls down and birds tweet around his head <laughs> with the possible exception of wind waker link you can't really do that with link right right well and i guess like that's all i'm saying and uh, you know that a point that i made during during the debate i think is very true which is like they they will put a mario skin over a game that might not reach as big of an audience, but because they have the Mario skin over it. I mean, grid uh, grid movement turn-based tactical games aren't the bread and butter of Nintendo, yet everybody's playing Mario and Rabbids. Were they? Was everyone playing that? I think, I think it was pretty popular. Well, yeah. it certainly attracted attention, mm-hmm. just because... I think I made the same point. It's just XCOM-style turn-based battling with Mario stretched over it. Right. I mean, where in the existing Mario canon does it make sense that Princess Peach is the shotgun specialist? <laughs> she is a badass. It does, it makes perfect sense. I guess Luigi being the sniper kind of made sense going along with his cowardly portrayal. Exactly. But that, but that's just reaching. It's as you say, it's just stretching the graphics over it. Of like course. A, like a Mario logo on a lunchbox. 
Yeah, it's 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 a, it's like ripping the skin off of Mario and and placing it on the corpse of of XCOM, but at the same time, I'm sure a bunch of kids just got awoken to this turn-based tactical combat. Ah, so that's the uh that's the responsibility of mascots. Yes. To uh, educate perhaps. Well, suddenly it, Mario teaches typings brings to mind. <laughs> it's it's the job of the privileged to you know help bring the less privileged up, and Mario is of course the privileged of Nintendo, and so that is his job to to have other games wear his skin so they may fly. I suppose that's admirable. You know, although uh, it, with that also comes endorsing products in in a slightly cynical way where you don't where you can tell that they don't actually feel anything for the product they're just being paid the money <laughs> oh in my list of 113 uh games with mario in the title there are plenty of those did you ever do sponsored games uh like what remember there was a t- remember there was a time around the 16-bit era when it seems like every other game had like a, a junk food sponsorship <laughs> like uh Zool on the Amiga was sponsored by Chupa Chups Lollipops. Oh, uh, he did. Uh, he did. Most of his his games were like educational games, like yeah. where Mario was the sponsor. So it'd be like Mario's early years, fun with letters, fun with numbers, preschool fun, that sort of thing. Hmm. Where, the, where again, they were trying to like utilize him as a celebrity to teach kids stuff. This would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't see a big game company doing that these days, would you? I, I would love another Mario teaches typing. It's a very relevant, much more relevant skill now than it was then. I'm sure. Hey, Mario teaches coding. There you go. Ooh, that would be useful for the kids. Learn yeah, to code, be. everyone. It's probably the only way you'll get a guaranteed job in this day and age. <laughs> Sadness, uh, but yeah, I don't think there was ever like a Mario game brought to you by Monster Energy Drink or anything like that. It might have been something. There's a lot of weird Japanese brands that put, put weird sponsorship in games in weird ways, like Calorie Mate that had a sponsorship with Metal Gear Solid for a while. <laughs> uh, you know, there's Mario no Photopai. Okay. Which was, uh, that was just a photo manipulation game in Japan only. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, every, everything else, you probably, you probably, you know, know all of the... Uh, all of the titles in there and so yeah there's not like a you know there's weird game and watch games and i i excluded a lot of like arcade titles just because they were very similar to uh console titles but no no sponsorship no brought to you by i'm sure there must be at least one example of at least some kind of cross promotion none that i am aware of in the lists that i found at least i mean mario you can argue mario versus rabbits was that well, well, then we go to Google. It, it was, it was cross promoting Nintendo and Ubisoft. Mm. And can I say, if Nintendo and Ubisoft were going to do a collaboration, I wouldn't have gone with Rabbids personally. Oh God, I hate Rabbids. I would have gone with Mario Assassin's Creed. <laughs> Ma- Mario killing people through time. You could probably picture him in the outfit. Uh, yes, he would look great in the outfit. Um, and hey, Assassin's Creed Two, you play an Italian. You got a comedy accent, and you kill people largely by jumping on them. Bam! Uh, there was a gag in Assassin's Creed Two. Do you remember where you run into your uncle who's literally named Mario, and when he introduces himself, he says, "It's a me, Mario." 
Uh, you know, I, uh, I, my, my gamer confession is, uh, I've, um, the first Assassin's Creed game I played was actually just a couple months ago, Assassin's Creed Origin. Oh, uh, well, trust me, that was a gag in Assassin's Creed 2. And it was, and it was kind of jumped out at me, kind of took me out of the experience. Okay, here we go. I found one. I found one, uh, Kate, Kate Mario Brothers Negatinian. Okay. Which was an enha- an enhanced port of Mario Brothers for the Famicom Disk System sponsored by a uh, flavored porridge or rice company, Ketakika. Yeah, I had a feeling that would be something like that. Yeah. So, uh, so in conclusion, Mario's big horn, Luigi's best. Yay! <laughs> Conclusions. Yeah. Conclusions. Remember those? No. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Might as well just pack this in then. Great. All right. Well, then that was a fine conversation. Hopefully everyone enjoyed uh, the, the mythical unifying theory of the Mario universe. Um, uh, if you want to go back and if, if you only listen to the podcast first, head over to escapismagazine.com and you can listen to slightly civil war, the show based off of, uh, that, which we base this podcast off of Mario versus Luigi, which is better. Luigi. Uh, Luigi's <laughs> uh, Luigi better. Agreed. Yeah, um, is. let's be serious, eh? but let's be serious. But also I, I really think that Mario is needed. Uh, my name's been Jack Packard. You can follow me on Twitter at Harlack, H-A-R-L-A-C-K. And I'm Yahtzee Crozier. You can follow me on Twitter at Y-A-H-T-Z-E-E-C-R-O-S-H-A-W. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.